1: I love that music! Defiance, folks! Defiance! Episode 2 of the Season 2, entitled In My Secret Life. I'm your host, Scott Moore, and uh both Nando and Matt are out this week. They are uh, terraforming their new beachfront properties here in Angel Arc. That's right, so I uh, wish them luck. Um, as you know, Angel Arc definitely has a lot of oceanfront property now where it didn't exist before, so... They are busy with that, but I am here with you today, and as we continue on in this new season, yeah, it's just getting so dark and edgy. I just feel like uh, the, the whole show itself is, like, growing up a little bit, you know, compared to last year. We're just dealing with uh, a lot of political issues going on right now with the EREP and and everybody there, and we've got some more love issues going on between some of our characters Uh, it just, yeah, definitely has a darkness over it, uh, so far this season, but I am really loving it. I don't know about you guys, but let's go right in and dig a little deeper and start breaking down, uh, tonight's episode. We open up, uh, you know, we're getting some B-roll and some shoots here with Berlin, one of the E-Rep ladies here in charge, running the show here as one of the guards, and, uh, they're talking about having the stasis net back up, and it was pretty, uh, funny because pool one of the other guards mentions uh oh you know having the stasis net back up is awesome and she's like don't be using the word awesome uh to describe that and that makes sense because uh, you're basically describing what the stasis net is and what's going on and we see tommy too and you know tommy again talking about characters that have grown and, and adding a little more edge tommy in the first season just seemed so innocent and you know lovey-dovey and not really having uh the edge about him and now this season, we see he's got the edge, and he seems to be pretty much on the side of the E reps right here. And I, I like—we'll we'll get into it a little bit—but I like what they did with this character, um, with Arissa and everything. And I think it's very good. And uh, obviously, he has moved on. And we'll get more into that later. There's just so much going on, and uh, we have—is you know—again, Nolan is trying to convince Arissa to continue to go on to Antarctica. He's like, "Let's forget going back to Defiance. Let's go to Antarctica." You know, I don't know about you guys, but I really do believe that Antarctica is still the wasteland in this new world, and it's not some tropical beach. I feel like it's sort of like the whole thing that you know people do with uh, with Iceland and Greenland back in the day, saying Iceland, you know, was disgusting and uh, uh, an ice barren, and nobody could live there, and Greenland was this great tropical place. I feel like it's the same thing with Antarctica. I feel like it's this new political way of saying. You know, Antarctica is this great tropical beach to get everybody to get out of the way and, and move out there because um, we know the other colony is in Brazil. Um, so I have a feeling that this is a whole political thing, and Anarca is really not that. But, of course, Nolan's still convinced it is this amazing tropical place. It's the, you know, great escape from everything going on in the rest of the world, and he wants Arissa to go, and, of course, Arissa with her evil little sidekick in her head now is like i have to get back to defiance i have to get back to defiance we've got you know unfinished business so there they go and of course you know no one's trying to be the good protector the good you know let's not jump to conclusions here when they pull up to the uh, gates there at defiance and of course what does Arissa do yeah of course she's gonna go ahead and Cause a scene and immediately take control of the vehicle of the, uh, of the lamb coach that they're on and go ahead and try to, uh, knock right in through the gates there and cause a scene. Uh, so of course they start off that way. They start with this crazy scene here and, uh, then no one has to defect, uh, protect Arissa. Got to make sure that, you know, she's taken care of here because of course, uh, she's going to get arrested Um, luckily though, you know, I thought it was a pretty good treatment considering she got arrested. It's sort of like being in her her hometown. They, I think for the most part, treat her very well and no one gets to kind of come right back in where he left off. Um, but it was, uh, you know, interesting when, when she has that little interaction with, um, with Tommy and, you know, he's basically like, Hey, you left me, you've been gone for nine months. You couldn't even write, you couldn't even send a postcard, (laughs) couldn't do anything. He's like, I've moved on. So... Um, I was happy to see that Tommy kind of stood up for himself. I mean, obviously, Arissa's had a lot of issues, and she admits that she's done terrible things and lots of stuff is going on, and she's got her evil sidekick, but I like the fact that Tommy kind of stood up for himself, because I feel like the old Tommy would not have done that from season one. The old Tommy probably would have been crawling right back to her. Of course, it helps that he's kind of moved on, as we find out later on in the episode, but nonetheless, I still think he's uh, definitely got an edge about him, and he's definitely more into, uh, kind of on this E-rep side, um... And I don't know what you guys think. Do you feel like, I don't want to say that he was brainwashed, but, you know, even with this new edge, I feel like he's kind of taken the E rep side. Or does he feel like, you know, perhaps this is the best thing for him to do right now is to be on the E rep side because they're obviously running the town right now and he feels like he's got to be working with the people who are running things. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think. Definitely love to hear your thoughts, especially right now with me flying solo. It's going to be more paramount than ever. I'm going to forget things, I'm sure. So I want to hear from you guys. Uh, you can do that through this awesome thing called iTunes. Now you've heard of it. Uh, it's this awesome little thing you can get right here on your phone or on your iPad or whatever device you use. Definitely sign up for our podcast. Rate us. i appreciate five stars. Please give us your comments though, and especially when it comes to these type of things. Was there anything I missed? Because I literally just watched this. Rewatched a few things here and there. Uh, before i came in here but you know fresh off the boat of watching this episode coming right in and talking to you guys so i'm sure there's a lot of things i missed appreciate you signing up rating us giving me those comments letting me know what i missed and uh letting me know your comments overall of what you thought of tonight's episode and uh, overall and uh you know it's uh it's a really really great thing and also you can be listening watching us live on the afterbuzz site too so if you want to watch us live if not you can always check us out in the podcast and of course on YouTube it will be up for you to watch at your leisure. All right, so yeah, so we were talking about you know, the whole Tommy thing. We talked about Arissa. They're now back him and Nolan, or her and Nolan are now back in defiance. And uh in a lot of ways it feels like they're kind of picking up where they left off, but there's just a lot more political aggression going on and um you know, that's that's a lot of the things, and I'll get into it a little bit more later, but that's a lot of the reason why I really love sci-fi shows is that they have a way of being able to take on the social commentary of the day, and they're able to basically be able to talk about things that maybe we wouldn't want to talk about in an everyday way, but they can kind of get away with it in fantasy. And, you know, Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation definitely did that really well, and that's one of the things I love about these type of shows. And the other thing I love about Defiance as well is that even though they're talking about the social commentary of the day and kind of deal with some hot-button issues, they also don't take themselves too seriously. And um, and it's really refreshing to see that. This is the type of show that can have fun and kind of laugh at itself and kind of join in on the fun as well of not being so high and mighty and taking itself seriously. So it's a fun show, and the writers really led us to – know that they're in on it with us. And that's another thing that I love about this show so much too, that uh, we can cover the social commentary, but we can also definitely uh, not take itself too seriously and have some fun with it. But again, as we're moving along here, you know, we find out that uh, uh, <laughs> it was great too with no one has that one line to Berlin as well. Like, I've always wanted to visit Berlin, um, which was a nice connotation about that and also about, you know, Berlin itself back in the day when it was uh, divided up. And here we see a very... Strict, guarded, heavily guarded, heavily scrutinized cameras, everything going on now in defiance. So, you know, they're being closely watched, all the citizens, but yet things are still happening as we uh, find out. And, uh, of course, we've got the scene, too, with uh, Stama and Alak. Uh, you know, bathing again, and <laughs> Alak wants his space, and was like, oh, you silly children, wanting your space all the time. Um, it just makes me laugh, because on one hand, you know, here's Alak last week talking about how it's odd for his mom to bathe by herself. It's so uncasted, than like But then on the other when they are bathing together, now he feels like uh, she's too close. So he's just that adolescent going through so many issues, it seems like he can never be happy. But, you know, we're, we're finding out, so many things here, and, and I also love the fact that, uh, you know, basically says sometimes you can be such a human. Like it's such a disparaging remark. Ugh. <laughs> now we also – we get this cutaway scene, and we'll learn out a little bit more later, but I definitely want to know what you guys think of this too. We see just this gloved hand, and we see the worms, these parasites, and, you know, this chemical being poured on it that looks basically like, um, you know, this, this bomb-making material. So we knew something was up to begin with. Uh, when we saw this quick cutaway scene, but we don't know who is really involved, and we don't know exactly what's behind it, and then as we transition to the next scene, we watch as this piñata uh, moves across this, the the screen here in, in the marketplace, and we're hearing a ticking time bomb, and then we cut to uh, Stama with Pottinger, which, of course, Pottinger confronts her, and says that, you know, she needs to get out of the Adreno business, and, uh, Again this was this was a great scene typical Stama you know she basically is like well you know and she brings a good point like if I'm not doing it someone else is going to be doing the business here and you know Ponder's like I got my men here that are on it and they're acting crazy and we can't have this anymore so you've got to get out of it so she's like well someone else is going to do it and he basically which I don't you know obviously believe and I don't know what you guys think too is that he basically tells her that you know what will release, you know, Daytac by sunset today. He can be back out, he can be released, if you want him to be, and go back to doing his criminal behaviors, everything you want, if you just kind of step away. And of course, uh, Stama doesn't take the bait. On one hand, I don't think, you know, he was going to really do that anyways, but on the other hand, Stama's like, no, she would rather keep him in prison, because right now he's there basically for 10 years at this point. And, of course, you know, she's running the show right now, and... Obviously, she's liking running the show on her own. That's definitely obvious. So she's like, no, no, no. For his own safety, he should stay in prison. There's a lot of people out there. He's got a lot of enemies. I don't want to have to worry about him. I don't have to deal with it. Leave him behind bars. It's for his own good, which, of course, is for her own good because she's enjoying running the show a little bit too much. And pretty much, let's be honest, she's been running the show from the beginning here. But this is a way for her to really run the show without even having to deal with the peskiness of him, so I absolutely love the fact that we continue to see Stama now just I just love her character so much because she's such a great manipulator and there's so many great shows out right now too where I can think of you know people like that as well and like an Orange is a new black and uh, several other shows that I cover and I just think about these powerful women that are awesome manipulators and Stama love her and love the fact that she's continuing. To uh, play the manipulator here and say no, no I, I want him to stay in prison because um, she's she's having fun, I think, running the show here for sure and putting her son in this place. So, and of course, as we segue out that scene, we focus back on the uh, pinata like thing and we're hearing the beeping and everything else. So, I want to know what you guys think. Who was involved? Because in it, there just feels like there's a lot of other things going on, and we're obviously not getting the full. Thing here of who was exactly involved in putting this this bomb together. So I think it was way too easy for us to find out, you know, this one guy, rogue guy who was down the mines was completely involved in Skeever. I, I do think there's a lot more that meets the eye with this. I'd love to know what you guys think. Um, who do you think is involved with this? And uh, what do you think we're going to find out as we continue to move through the season? It's sort of like when I try to do predictions, especially at the beginning of the season, and I know this is a nerdy reference, but it is kind of true. It's sort of like the, what they call the cone of air uh, when you know the hurricanes come ashore and they're trying to figure out like five days away, where is this hurricane going to make landfall and it can be like thousands of miles apart from where it is. Um, it's sort of the same thing with shows like this because when you're at the beginning of the season, you have so many other directions that the show could take throughout the rest of the season, and it's really hard to figure out how they're going to inevitably take the show. So definitely give you guys more points now. If you have any suggestions on where you think the show's going to be headed and who do you think was really involved behind this uh, this shrill bomb, which we find out, you know, was happening. We uh, A shrill bomb explodes in the marketplace. Again, social commentary of things going on today, Middle East and other places right now with sectarian violence. We have the same kind of thing going on here right now in defiance with all these different groups and we have a shrill bomb going off in the marketplace kills three civilians and we find out we learn the shrill bomb is basically a bomb that has parasites in it which goes back to that earlier scene that we just see that cut away of the gloved hand pouring the chemicals into the worm type parasite thing and uh you know they we find out too that the shrill parasites grow underground the deeper the darker the better so of course Mines are a perfect place for that. So we see that, you know, Nolan is going down there and uh, is going to try to find out what happened, who's been getting into the mines, who's been having access. Tommy feels like he wants to have a chance to go in and, and uh, you know, track down the bomber and everything. And, uh, of course, we find out that Nolan doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And, of course, Amanda's like, no, Nolan's the best best guy here. He's taken care of all the stuff from the past. He was our former law keeper. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him and not Tommy. And, of course, Tommy's none too pleased by this. And, of course, he's uh, very frustrated. And no one's like, go back and just watch Orissa and, you know, guard her with your life. And, by the way, I need my gun back. So, Or your gun back, by the way. So, so of course, Tommy's not happy. Um, so he goes back to the little jail there, watches out over Orissa and so no one goes down into the mines. Rafe is like, you should not have brought Arissa back. Of course, we all know that she's determined. Again, what we're going to find out from Arissa and why she's so determined to come back to defiance, we have yet to know. And we didn't learn anything more really in this episode of why she's so determined to be back here. But you know, we see that no one finds out that. Uh, People are coming and going again. The political issues are going on because, you know, the red symbols that we were trying to find out what it was in the first episode. We see that now again on the mine walls. Rafe explains to us that it's casty. It means rise as in rise up. And apparently, you know, they want them to rise up against the EREP in a peaceful way without any blood battle. doesn't look like that's going to be happening here because of these shrill bombs and, you know, the instability that's happening right now throughout the region. Uh, You know, Joseph, one of the mine workers, basically says, oh, it's Bradley Weddle. Just right there. We find out Bradley Weddle. And, of course, as you and me are probably thinking the same thing, all right, if we're already getting a guy's name down here, that's way too easy. There's way more than meets the eye. It's not just him or he's not the main one that's involved. Um, So we'll see what happens. Um, So we go back up. You know, no one sees Amanda, who's now in regular, kind of her regular clothes here. As we noticed in episode one, she was wearing her veil the whole time, and so as we were kind of speculating here last week with Ando and Matt and I, we're kind of thinking, okay, she knows. Yeah, you know, she's got to know that Kenya is really dead, and she's still not really able to deal with it fully. But by wearing the veil, she's kind of recognizing that that Kenya is in fact dead. But as we learn, you know, she talks to Nolan kind of one-on-one at the at the need one and it still to me makes it seem like she is not ready to fully admit that she's ready to give up on Kenya being alive it's like she knows that she's probably dead because of the situation of her not coming back but she still feels like she's not ready to admit it and you know no one says like well you know has she ever done this before just up and leaving and have you ever filled in for her basically running you know the need one and You know, Amanda brings up a good point. She said, no, but, of course, I had a day job. I don't have a day job anymore. Amanda, I totally understand where you're coming from because I don't either right now. So I'd probably be working the need one as well if it was my sister's place. But I digress. So, you know, they're having this nice intimate moment. And, of course, we know that they've had kind of a thing. And they're kind of picking up where they left off, unlike Tommy and Arissa, And, of course, Amanda totally emasculates Tommy, too, in this case, because... You know, when she tells him that, no, no one's going, you're not You're not able to do this and everything. But then Tommy goes in and kind of stands up for himself uh, with Arissa, And I really, I really, really did like that scene. I liked the fact, because I thought, again, it would have been too easy if, you know, Arissa tried to make out with him between the bars. And he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. Um, he's like, I'm not that easy. Uh, I'm not going to be that easy. So I did like that part, for sure. But, um, you know, so... Amanda, back to Amanda Nolan in the need-want. She basically talks about Brad Weddle, says he comes in around 5 after work and stumbles out around 3. That's a really long time to be at the bar, by the way. Must be some good stuff or some cheap drinks there because uh, that's a long time when you're talking about a good 10 hours in the bar there. So, of course, conveniently, you know, he comes running in right there and looking suspicious. And the moment that he sees Nolan, he runs back out. You know, no one tries to get him, tries to find him, and, uh, yep, of course, he trips, and he doesn't find him. He runs off. He doesn't know where he's at exactly. Meanwhile, we've got, you know, Pottinger is basically torturing Dr. Yule now back at the prison uh, to find out what's in her safe. And uh, that's also very interesting to me because, you know, at the beginning there, I really thought that first cutaway when we saw the gloved hand, I thought it was actually Doc Yule. It was either a flashback or she had some kind of, you know, way behind the scenes, sort of like she was able to get things into the prison, some kind of contraband or something. And it was actually her um, working on it because we're just so used to Doc Yule being the one that's like the scientist working on all the potions and all the things going on. So at first I was thrown because I really thought it was her. And I had to kind of watch a couple times through as, OK, we're not going to find out or at least at that moment who it is. I don't know what you guys thought, but that was uh, definitely an interesting part right there. So he gets a little torture there with uh, with Pottinger trying to get Doc Yule to admit what's in the safe. We cut away before we find out exactly what happened and what is indeed in her safe there. So I think that's something we're going to have to learn as well. So, of course, um, we also see that Daytac is uh, trying to be involved with the uprising because, of course, we get the knife in and uh, him with uh, uh, Carolot. And, you know, they're trying to get this uprising going in prison. doesn't work really well. Of course, then Pottinger tries to have a conversation with Daytac afterwards there in the prisons. And, you know, Daytac again, the manipulator, though not as good as Stama needs to take lessons from his wife. You know, he basically says, you know, I could really help you out here. I've got a, a whole idea. I've got the scope of the inside here of how prison works. You could release me. I'd be able to keep everything in order for you. It would be a win-win. And, uh, of course, Pottinger is not biting at all. And was like, yeah, that guy that guy you described sounds perfect. Uh, he'd be great in about 10 years when uh, his sentence is up. So, of course, he's not falling for it. Because at first I was thinking that it would have been kind of interesting if he did release Daytac back out. Um, and, again, because then we're seeing Stama kind of have her own running the business, which she have stood up for herself. And to kind of throw Daytac back in the mix because he was always the foil there in the first season that kind of threw everything in in disarray. So I think it would have been kind of fun actually to see him um, be able to be released and kind of get back out and, and, you know, get involved with everything. So we'll have to wait and see, but I think that's gonna be something in predictions though. So yeah, he doesn't allow him to do that at all. Um, And the other thing, again, I love going back to the social commentaries. We move forward and we're dealing with uh, the issues of, of what to do, the E-Rep, they're concerned, you know, know, where did, where did Bradley go? And there's a great scene with him and Berlin, and they're having this little great conversation there uh, with uh, Nolan, and he's being called the happy cowboy, he was talking about, you know, I was back from the days of hacked emails and surveillance drones and all that, again, bring back to social commentary what's happening today, as drones in the real world are becoming an issue what we do with them. I mean, there's not a day that goes by now in the newspaper or the news or internet where you're not reading about a drone being out like someone's window in Seattle the other day. 27th floor, the drone that was flying around after the King's rally here in LA uh, last week. So drones are definitely a hot topic. And of course, hack things are a hot topic. Everyone's credit cards are being hacked from different stores. So you know, no one's bringing up the social commentary right away about he remembers you know that kind of past. And we see, you know, Berlin talking about all the different types of technology that the eRep used to keep people kind of in control. She makes it sound like it's for the greater good and for civilian safety, but you know, there's an undertone of having this political, kind of omnipresent power, that Big Brother power, and that, and that's definitely an issue that's going on today uh, all over the world. We've got places like in, in London that are one of the most. Uh, have the, some of the most secure or most security cameras anywhere else in the world. You can go around London, and they've got everything on camera, and you're always on camera. And it's assuming when you're walking down the street there that you're going to be on camera. And we're kind of getting that here. And, of course, it goes hand-in-hand hand with drones and stuff. Like, how much of Big Brother, how much are things that are happening now and today are going to be playing an effect? And, in a sense, sort of like this EREP thing, where it's supposedly there for the greater common good, but is it really? Or is Big Brother just watching? And so it brought up a really good point here with rep are they going to have way too much power are they going to be watching over everything and of course right away they look at the cameras they find out that uh, Bradley has run into Skeever's trailer which by the way I love too that he's got the trailer with the perpetual Christmas decorations up and the big Santa Claus and everything that was pretty pretty funny so of course conveniently for Nolan he's able to go right there so the minute that Bradley opens the door there he is waiting for him right outside um, basically attacks him Goes in, attacks Skeever, was like wants to know what's going on, you know, and uh, gets him under arrest. Of course, we see that there's now a shrill bomb that has been placed underneath Stama's car. She hops in, and now to me, like, no one's kind of becoming like the Jack Bear, you know, Jack Bauer. He's kind of like Mr. 24 now, because not only is he doing everything else in this town, but now he's being able to... Stop bombs from happening. He sees the bombs conveniently. and He's able to break them apart with one second remaining. Uh, of course, he gets stung out to safety. Disassembles the bomb with one second left. And everything's fine because he's like the Jack Bauer now of Defiance. And, okay, so we had a lot of convenient things that happened. He had a lot of good things that were going on that kind of worked in his favor there conveniently. So, but at least he made it work. Nobody got hurt from this. the second shrill bomb of course stom is very thankful obviously and um, then we find out that you know of course she's really pissed off at Alack because she feels like he's been weak and he's not holding up what he should do to keep people in their place and Skeever should never have been able to do this it's all Alack's fault and you know Alack is mad at his mom because he's thinking well wait a minute you know you were the one that had him beaten up he wouldn't want to retaliate if it wasn't for you so, of course, he goes in, he sneaks in, and he he goes, and basically, there's Skeever on the table there, and at first, I was really thinking, like, wow, Alak's gonna get seriously injured here, is Skeever gonna get away? I don't know what you guys thought, um, if you really thought that Alak had it in him to actually go forth and, basically, we assume him kill Skeever, and I have to admit, I didn't think Alak had it in him, I really, really, really didn't, so, um... That was interesting to see him do that, and now I'm wondering to say, is he kind of turning the dark corner here, now becoming a little bit more like mother, like father? Are we going to start seeing him transition more to the dark side? Because for the most part, Locke's been this happy-go-lucky kid, you know, the typical teenager who just wants to play his records and just wants to do his thing and hang out with his friends, and he's really not been too involved with any of the darker side of the family business. And for the most part, he's like, he's a good kid. He's not a bad kid. He's not like his parents. But now that we see what he's done with Skeever, I'm beginning to wonder if now is he going to harden up, are, especially with this whole season the way it started out and it's gotten to be a little bit darker and a little bit edgier. Are we going to see this darker, edgier kind of side with a lack too, which would be kind of sad in a way, but we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next couple episodes. So yeah, I was actually quite impressed that uh, that he had the balls to do it because I didn't think he did. So we finish that up, and uh, you know we see Nolan and Amanda basically chatting again here outside about you know Amanda back with her veil again, mind you, she's wearing the veil again. So see what that symbolizes. Um, And it's interesting because the first episode she wore it the whole time. I don't know why she only wore it for part of the time this episode and what that means. But anyway, she's basically telling Nolan like, "Look, gotta work with the e rep right now." we got to make sure that our defiance stays safe from anyone or anything and i believe that amanda you know has the right intentions in mind because i feel like and i think you guys agree too if if the e rep at least think that they're kind of on their side it gives them more of an opportunity to kind of get inside the organization there because obviously amanda doesn't want e rep there no one doesn't want e rep there but i think it's smart in the sense that if they play it like they're going to work with them and kind of get ingratiated with the system that gives them a more of an opportunity to find out where their weaknesses are as we move through the season and therefore to get them out. Because what we see there is this, this – basically this sectarian violence. You have all the different groups, all the different alien races, the humans, the Bulge. Everyone is kind of secting off into their own individual things and we're seeing more of this – political uprising. So I think it's great that if, sh- if you can get ingratiated in the right way, find out their weaknesses and then kind of take them down from the inside, it would be uh, interesting to do that. And of course, uh we find out, you know, we see Nolan and Amanda go upstairs and uh, get it on. So yay for uh, Nolan and Amanda kind of picking up where they left off and you know what? I think Amanda needs it. She's been under a lot of stress since we left her at the end of season 1. She doesn't really know where Kenya is. Or she's still not ready to admit, you know, that Kenya's dead. And she's lost her day job. And, you know, she had a very powerful day job. So that's going to affect her self-esteem and confidence a little bit. So she needs to have a little action. So we're happy to see her get a little action there. And kind of pick up where she left off with Nolan. And then, of course, we see Arissa, who sees that Tommy is making out with the E-Rep Guard with Berlin. So, yep, things aren't looking good for that. And, uh I don't know. Before we had the predictions, though, we don't want to forget, speaking of with, you know, she's got to have that great erythian body there, making all that run and everything. I think it's because she picked up the Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness by our lovely Maria Menounos. So she picked it up so she could be in shape. I think you guys should, too. And let me tell you, it's not just for the ladies. There's stuff in here. As a guy who's gone up and down the swing here, 50 pounds, I'm like the male Oprah I could definitely use some tips here from the book. It's got recipes. It's got a lot of other stuff. So, you know, guys, get it for your girlfriend, but also get it for yourself and kind of sneak in a few chapters there after she's gone to sleep because it will work for you as well. It's doing awesome. And, of course, when you get the book, it also supports us here at AfterBuzz. It keeps these lights on and these air conditioners on because it's hot here in the summer for sure. So, without further ado, let's go on into predictions.
0: And now... Your After Buzz TV Predictions.
1: All right. God. Again, so many different directions this show's going to go in. Um, I definitely think Arissa is definitely angry with Tommy. And uh, we're going to see some repercussions for that. Because the last thing I wrote in my notes was, uh-oh, when she saw that. Kind of worried for Tommy here, especially for the fact that, you know, no one took his gun away. So, not looking too well. We're going to see lack kind of now take on more of the dark side here with his parents' business empire. I think now that he's gotten through and dealt with Skeever, I think he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable with this dark side. And he's going to feel like he can kind of maybe do this uh, edgier thing a little bit more because it kind of takes away his innocence a little bit. So I'm going to be looking out for him. Um, definitely with these shrill bombs, not convinced that it's uh, you know just Brad and Skeever. Uh, There's definitely more than meets the eye there, and uh, we're going to keep finding who else is involved. There's definitely more people. You know, Stamma had something to do with it, I wonder. Hmm. And, of course, I think what would be a really cool thing is if Daytac got out early, it would be really cool, too, because I think he could add some mischief to the overall stuff going on here uh, with Stamma and everyone else. There's so much that's going to be happening Thank you so much for joining me, guys, and definitely comment. Let me know what I missed. Let's chat about it uh, all through the next week. We'll be back same time, same place. But this time next week, you can find me in the meantime on Twitter at sman80. That's sman80. Here for the Oranges New Black uh, after shows and for True Blood the final season.